Hashtag MSW live now on 947 Boomer FM, Rise FM, and Soweto Live at the same time. Hashtag MSW. Imagine life being this multi award winning commentator who ages like fine wine. The accolades just keep coming in and in, don't they? Certainly no stopping this man. What a run is that. What a run you'll continue to have. I mean, for the fourth time in a row, Peter Drury was this past weekend voted the best commentator at the annual Football Supporters Association Awards. Now, with almost, what, 500,000 votes that were cast, the FSA Awards are the largest supporter-led awards in the United Kingdom and certainly the game's most poetic commentator, one of our all-time favorites with tons of great energy, enthusiasm, as well as award-winning broadcasting experience. I mean, he's a previous winner, ladies and gentlemen, of the prestigious Sports Journalists Association Sports Commentator of the Year Award that was back in 2020 and also previously worked for the BBC. ITV Premier League Productions as well as BT Sport. Our good friend of the show, Peter Drury. Ladies and gentlemen, he is on the show. We are here to congratulate him once again on doing ever so well. Peter, good evening. Welcome to the show. Robert, what a lovely introduction. Thank you. Thank you. That'll do for me. I can go away now if you want. (laughs) No, no, no. You cannot go away. (laughs) Not this time. Not this time. I never ever ask Peter Drury how he's doing. Just it's a question I shouldn't be asking any guest. But I think in these modern days, you just never know. I want to know how's Peter Drury. Not all well. Very excited, Robert. I'm off as usual to another football match tonight. Um, I'm very close to arriving at uh, Aston Villa for Aston Villa against Manchester City, which I think is uh, the best game of this evening. And uh, as always, I'm looking forward to it. I'm a lucky boy. Going to see a good good game of football tonight, and and um, and that's great. Blessed as always. What sort of Peter Drury rituals do you ever go through? I know it might be a strong word, but just take me through. You're approaching the venue right now, as you say. What's going through your mind? What's the level of excitement? What's the nervousness? Well, what are you feeling? The the thing, honestly, that I like to do when I when I'm when I get a quiet moment walking towards a venue or getting close to a venue uh, is is I always give myself two or three minutes to think, if I was the supporter of one of these clubs, what's it all about for me tonight? So, you know, what does it mean? Why have I paid so much money to come and watch my team play? What's the narrative about? Um, why would I be excited if I was an Aston Villa supporter tonight? Why would I be anxious if I was a Manchester City supporter tonight? What's at stake? What are they talking about as they buy their meat pies outside the ground or have their pints of beer in the pubs around the ground. Um, and I, I think if you, can, if you can get a feel for that sort of thing that the, the regular fans are feeling, uh, then hopefully you could reflect that when you're commentating on the game. A beautiful way of looking at it, Peter. And I guess as you say that, I go back to last night and how the fans would have felt at Kenilworth when they went to watch Luton Town playing against Arsenal. They would never, ever have banked on a game of that magnitude, never have banked on a header right at the death and just escaping from, I don't know, the jaws, the jaws of just a draw, which would have been something major for Luton. It was a fabulous game, Robert, wasn't it? I must say I watched it in my lounge as well. Um, and I, I don't know how you are in South Africa around this sort of thing, but in England, famously, we're, we're great um, lovers of the underdog, the, the surprise outcome. And yeah. so 
Luton have a lot of affection around the country because really there is no right at all to be in the Premier League. Um, they play in a very small, very modest ground. Uh, and they have already this season caused major problems to major clubs. They were very unlucky against Tottenham. They had a fabulous game and came within seconds of beating Liverpool. And then last night's game, which was really the best of the lot. And, and listen, it wasn't really an underdog's performance. They played very, very well. You know, they, they gave Arsenal a scare, not by fluke, but uh, by their own tenacity and by their own skill set and by their own... Um, they've got a terrific coach in Rob Edwards who's really making his name. And listen, even if Luton Town do get relegated at the end of the season, and they might, they might well, um, they've already done enough to earn the, the sort of applause of our nation and all of you around the world who, who um, invest yourselves in the Premier League. Uh, and, and I think anybody who had a heart had their heart slightly broken last night by Arsenal. Uh, having said which, you know, Arsenal are a part of the title race and they have to be brutal and they have to be ruthless. And that's not the first time they've pulled one out of the fire pretty late in the game this season. And if they keep doing it, they're going to, um, they're going to take some reeling in themselves. Isn't that what the Premier League is all about, though, Peter? When you talk about going to places like Kenilworth, we've seen it before uh, with the likes of having to go to Stoke City. And I remember the likes of Jose Mourinho. They would always say, you will have a good run against the big teams, but just go to Stoke City. It will humble you. Very intimate, very, very small. But, man, it just packs an audience and an atmosphere that you'll never, ever come across. Well, that's it, because you see the things, especially, uh, I mean, Luton is, is a good deal smaller than Stoke. Uh, just to put that in perspective, you're right. It used to be almost a, a cliche, the go-to line, can you do it on a wet, windy Tuesday night in Stoke? Well, Luton has kind of taken on that mantle and some now, because it's such a small ground. It's like playing almost on a local park, you know, where, where the supporters are right on the touchline. The players can feel it. They can... They can hear the individual words of supporters. Um, it's not like sort of 50,000 people singing or baying. It's like, it's like a group of individuals shouting at you. And it, it's very, very personal. And it presents its own challenge. And even the great stars of world football, when they suddenly have to appear on a humble stage like that, um, it's, it's a whole new enterprise for them. Uh, and, and it was... It was true 30 years ago when Luton were last in the top flight in English football, more than 30 years ago. And it's even more true now because whilst they've been away, the stadium have got bigger and brighter and shinier and more stellar. And really, Luton hasn't changed at all. Um, and so it's great. And you're absolutely right. That's a part of what makes our league so great is that there is that disparity. And we, we do embrace the underdogs. And listen, Luton may last for one year or two years or five years. And then maybe it'll be somebody else's turn. But whilst they're here, they are certainly making their mark and, and people are really enjoying them. One thing I've learned about yourself, Peter, is that you never like to talk about yourself. And, and, and I really respect that. But we cannot hold back, especially when the world is saying, the fans are saying he is, he continues to be our voice when it comes to football internationally. I won't even say football in the UK or football in the EPL, just football globally he is the voice we love we recognize we just love to hear all the time and people always ask us here in south africa where's peter where's peter well he's right here on the show right now but all we can say 
as a collective, if I'm allowed to use the collective uh, through this medium and say congratulations. I mean, being named the best commentator for a fourth year in a row is no mean feat. Well, it's listen, Robert, first of all, thank you very much. I really, I do appreciate that. I do appreciate it because uh, I, I, I don't uh, feel that way about myself necessarily. Um, and I have a lot of respect for, for others in my line of work who do the same thing. You know, I've got good friends who I have huge respect for and who, in my mind, are uh, every bit as good as I am at what I do. But it is, it is nevertheless lovely to hear that sort of thing. And it's, it's lovely when, when it becomes sort of tangible in the, in the form of, of awards and, and that kind of thing. But I, one of the reasons I'm reluctant to talk about it is because you're, you're really only as good in what I do as, as your last game. And um, the, the moment you start to believe in your own publicity or in what people are kind enough to say is the moment that um, you're in danger of getting ahead of yourself, getting too big for your boots and landing in trouble. Um, and uh, in broadcasting, as you know, because you're working in live broadcasting, you're only one clumsy word away from trouble. And so it's, it's best to be wary. I think it's best to be wary. And for every uh, broadcast to be a new challenge, but you've got to give everything to, otherwise you're going to be found wanting. Um, and, and I suppose that's the thing if if you that that might sound very negative i i don't mean it to really but it's just a way of keeping standards up um you know i know that uh, you, you know all of us as human beings are capable of slipping up and um whilst you're wary of that and you haven't got your head in the clouds hopefully you're a little bit less likely to slip up um i i, I sort of um assume the next stumbling block is around the corner and so hopefully when that stumbling block appears, I'll be best placed to maneuver away around it. Um, that, that's just my outlook on life. It may not sound very optimistic, and don't get me wrong, I love what I'm doing, and I love it when it's going well, and I'm really grateful for all the, the plaudits you're so kind to pour upon me. Um, but uh, I've got to do Aston Villa against um, Manchester City tonight, and if it doesn't go well, I'll be miserable when I get back in the car to go home. So <laughs> that's, that's the way I've got to do it, really. And, and you know what it is, Peter. It's also just the case of how do you keep an Aston Villa-Man City game as alive as you would? And I've heard many a time, uh, even in previous divisions, where you would have a Burnley playing against Sheffield United or Everton playing against a Burnley. Any of the sides that are in danger of relegation, you make that game sound like it's a cup final. Well, that, that really goes back to um, what I said at the start of our conversation, and that is the walk up to the ground, the 20 minutes before kickoff. Look at the supporters who are not being paid to be there as I am, but are paying a, a fairly hefty ticket price to invest their emotion in that game. And in my mind, if, if there are tens of thousands of people who are prepared to invest their emotion and their money and their time in something, then as a professional whose job it is to articulate that game, the least I can be is interested myself and understanding of what they're going through. And it's sport in any way. You know, I have, I have my club. We don't need to go into that. But I know how it feels to be 1-0 up with five minutes to go and to feel that pit of the stomach feeling of, wow, we might win this or, oh, we might throw it away. Or, you know, supporters, fans, you know, of any club get that. 
And so it doesn't matter if it's Manchester City or Liverpool or Manchester United or Chelsea or the humblest club anywhere. There are fans who really care how this game goes. Um, and so you've got to care with them. And caring to even figure out who we should be following as far as uh, key players, especially Aston Villa. I mean, I, I can pick out a guy like uh, Douglas Luiz, uh, six goals a season. What a, a run of form up against a Man City, Manchester City team that scores for fun. Yeah, the pressure might be on for Pep Guardiola. Not in terms of results, it might be on, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, Peter, uh, but when you are starting to single out individuals within the media space and, and calling them out at a press conference, almost at the same time that Manchester United are barring uh, some of the media personnel from attending uh, their press conferences. So a bit of a strange time, would you say? It is a strange time, but that's, that's, what, make, that's what makes our league such, such an interesting one. I always say it's a soap opera. You know, there's always something happening. There are always glorious things. There are fallouts, there are arguments and, And, you know, Manchester United, it's not for me to express opinions on Manchester United, and I won't necessarily, but, um, you know, they're, they're a club which is scrutinized probably more than any other in the world, um, certainly more than any other in England. And when things aren't going smoothly, you know, issues can get fractious. Um, and the journalists have to scrutinize them, sometimes fall out with the club that they're scrutinizing. And, and I guess that's just the, the natural order of things. Uh, whether or not Manchester United are wise or not wise, well, that is for other people to say. Um, but but that that's a part of the great show, um, the great soap opera that is our Premier League, just as, as Manchester City's excellence is. And, you know, Manchester City failed to win three games in a row. City have had three draws in a row. And, you know, all of a sudden that feels like some sort of mini crisis for them, which is bizarre. Um But that's the way it is, you know, and, and yes, there's hyperbole and yes, there are strong feelings on either side. Um, but I, I can only say again, it's, it's that sort of strong feeling that, that creates the drama and creates the backdrop to, to everything we describe week on week. Good afternoon, Mr. Marawa. Sakala here from Centurion. The man you have on the line there, Mr. Marawa, is the Messi of commentary. That brother of ours makes it so, so nice to watch football. It makes such a difference. You know, when you're watching a game that he's commentating on, he's a poet. He's he's marvelous at his job. Well done, Mr. Mr. Peter. Uh, we wish you more. Carry on giving us the best that you can. Uh, we'll miss you when you're gone. But while we still have you, Mr. Jury, continue to do the fine work that you've done. You you make such a difference in 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 us watching football. How you how you prepare for the game. It's wonderful to watch. Um, thank you, thank you, Mr. Marawa. Thank you, thank you so much, Peter. I didn't want to have the last word. We just got that voice note coming in right now, and I thought, hey, let the listener have the last word. You might not believe me, but you'll believe him. Well, that's very kind of him. What a what a lovely message to receive, and I'm I'm really really grateful for it, Robert. I am, and and for for all your warmth, I always love coming onto your show to to um, to talk to South Africa's sports lovers, and uh, I hope we'll talk again. And I I say again, thank you. Peter, thank you. Good luck for tonight. Good luck for the rest of the season. We'll chat soon. Take care. Thank you. Thank you so, so much indeed. Peter Drury joining us right here on hashtag MSW. Uh, Marawa Sports Worldwide, another accolade for him. Legendary football commentator for Sky Sports, as well as NBC Sports in the United States, winning yet another award. Hashtag MSW. Live now on 947 Vuma FM, Rise FM, and Soweto Live. The same...
time. Hashtag MSW.